Good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on the second Sunday of Advent. A few things to share with you this morning before we begin our worship. Uh, first, a reminder that we will decorate the church this afternoon starting at 4 for Christmas. Uh, you're invited to come participate. Also invited to bring a snack to share if you want, but that's not required. Uh, also a reminder that we will have our Advent worship service again this Wednesday at 7. Even if you didn't come to the first one, still invited to come to the second. They're all freestanding, so no problem at all. Uh, also a reminder that on December 13th, we will pack cheer boxes to go to homebound members. Uh, if you're able, pre please bring some goodies to go into those boxes. Uh, something store-bought, homemade, just something that would bring cheer, bring a little bit of joy to a homebound member. Uh, again, that's by December 13th, and you can drop those off in the office or with me, uh, and we will get them in the boxes. Uh, two prayer requests this morning. Uh, first, pray for the Bodicher family as they mourn the loss of John's nephew, Mark, uh, this past week. Also, prayers for Hugh Clum, who is hospitalized. Uh, so pray for healing for him and for his family. Are there other requests or other things to bring before the congregation? Yeah, Kathy. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Craig. Okay, Denise's sister Deb. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's Carolyn. Okay. Right. If there are no other requests, I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your heart and quiet your mind as we listen to the prelude and prepare to worship. Congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another.
Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord 
for this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Stir up our hearts, Lord God, to prepare the way of your only Son. By his coming, give to all the people of the world knowledge of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Malachi. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We will sing the psalmody.
reading from Philippians. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart, for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God, as my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke. In the 15th year, the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise you, Christ. I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. Well, I brought today, I'll show the congregation, I brought today a picture of one of my favorite saints, one of my favorite people in church history, and a saint that you have heard of, I'm sure of it, this is St. Nicholas. Uh, and tomorrow is December the 6th, and on the church calendar, December the 6th, is set aside to remember St. Nicholas. Uh, St. Nicholas has an interesting story. Uh, St. Nicholas was born in the modern-day country of Turkey, uh, and he was born to rich parents, but his parents died when he was just a boy, and so he grew up in the household of an uncle, but as he grew into an adult, he was rich because he had inherited a lot of money from his parents, but he wasn't interested in living as a famous rich person. Instead, he became a pastor. Uh, and later on, he became a bishop, so he became a pastor of pastors. He oversaw many churches. But the reason we know St. Nicholas is because of his generosity. Uh, St. Nicholas had in one of his churches a family that was poor. And this family had three daughters. But in that day, in order for his daughters to get married, 
the father of the family would have to pay a dowry to the family that they were getting married into. Well, this family was poor. They couldn't pay the dowry, so this man's daughters could not get married. And so if they were not going to get married, they didn't have any chance in the world. Because in those days, women couldn't own property. They couldn't have their own money. Uh, and so their life was looking kind of bleak. Well, St. Nic Nicholas had heard about this poor family's troubles. And so in the middle of the night, one night, he threw a bag of gold into their window when they didn't know about it. Right? And with that first bag of gold, the father was able to get his daughter, his oldest daughter, married. Well, another night, another bag of gold appears. The second daughter was able to get married. And then another bag, and finally the third daughter was able to get married. And that family never learned where that money had come from. They never learned where that gold had come from because St. Nicholas had done it secretly at night in private, right? And so you can see how that story maybe connects to some of our Christian Christmas traditions, right? That during Christmas, we are generous. We give to others. But it also tells us something about God, right? Why are we, as Christians, supposed to be generous people? Why was St. Nicholas so generous? Well, it's because he knew first that God was generous. God gave us himself. God gave us every good gift. He gave us life. He gave us joy because he's given us Jesus. And because God is most generous, we too can share in what God's doing ourselves by being generous. So that's why we remember St. Nicholas. Right? It's a remembrance that God is first generous, and then we too can be generous people. So let's pray. Lord, teach us to be generous, just as you were generous in giving us your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. So we have special treats today made by Mr. Hunsinger. So make sure you tell him thank you after the service here. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you have heard the old saying, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Or as growing up, my family would have said, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Well, when Noel and I lived in Kentucky, that was more than just a saying for us. That was our reality. When we lived in Kentucky for some time, we lived up on a ridge in a valley. And in that valley, in that valley three kind of sizable streams converged. And so we had a great view up on that ridge, but the only connection we had from our ridge to town and to the highways out of town was a low water bridge. So whenever there were significant rainfall, the creeks would flood and the bridge would be underwater and we would be stuck. And so we would get calls from helpful people in the middle of the night, early in the morning, and someone would warn us, the bridge will be flooded in about an hour. You might want to get across the bridge so you can get to work in the morning. Well, John the Baptist's message in the Gospels is kind of like that phone call in the middle of the night warning that now is the time to cross the bridge. If you wait much longer, you're going to miss something. You're going to be stuck. But you're going to miss seeing the salvation of God, as Luke says. So in our scripture this morning, Luke wants us to notice that this message that John has for us, it's in fact a phone call in the middle of the night. The metaphorical middle of the night. The Jews had been living in this middle of the night for quite some time. Right, we sing this in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Right, ransom, captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. So Luke begins chapter 3 of his gospel a little more subtly, but with the same idea. 
he begins by listing off all the rulers of the day. He lists the emperor, Pilate, Herod, Herod's brothers, and then the high priest in charge of the temple. Well, for the Jews, none of these people were well-liked. Herod, his brothers, and the high priest were all technically Jewish, but they were all appointed and controlled by the Roman emperor and by the governor Pilate. They did not act independently of the Roman secular power. And then the emperor Tiberius, the governor Pilate, they represented ungodly forces that were in control of the Jewish people and persecuting them. And they were pagans. They didn't know God. And so the Jews at that time saw themselves in a kind of exile state. They were not at liberty to live as the true people of God in their mind. These rulers were cruel. Pilate in particular was known for his cruelty toward Jews who spoke their mind. Historically, it was a time when the Jews felt they were far off from what the promises of God were in the Old Testament. But in those dark times, in those uncertain times, the word of God came to John. Luke here is recalling a phrase from the story of the prophet Samuel. In the days of Samuel, the priests were corrupted, the leaders of the Jewish people paid no attention to the Lord, and were told that in the days of Samuel, the word of the Lord was rare, and visions were not widespread. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. In other words, there were no faithful teachers, no faithful prophets. Instead, the rulers and those leading the institutions of the day did what was, whatever was right in their own eyes. Well, in the same way, the Jews lived under the malaise of poor leadership in difficult circumstances in the time of John the Baptist. Institutions like the temple were not bringing people closer to God. Rather, they were a means of lining the pockets of religious leaders. Titles like priests had often become a means to making powerful political friends and had little to do with ministering to God's people. And because there was poor leadership and crumbling institutional integrity, the people of God found themselves becoming complacent. Everything seemed so hopeless. And so many became apathetic. They became complacent about the things of God. Well, we see this over and over, even in our own day. Where there is faithless leadership, where the church becomes self-serving, people lose faith. They get lost in the wilderness. But that's exactly why John the Baptist is out living and preaching as a prophet in the wilderness. He's interested in connecting to those who have been left on the fringes. He wants to warn those who have given up hope to get ready. God is about to do something with the people of Israel. And what God is doing will not begin in the city center. It will not go through Caesar or Herod or the high priest. What God is doing will begin in the least of society. God will begin with those who are waiting for the forgiveness of sins, despite the fact that others have given up hope. We most often think of John the Baptist as austere. His message is serious and foreboding. But it's such a serious message because he does not want the very people God loves to miss out on God's promises. Sometimes it takes that message of tough love to shake, up, shake us up out of our complacency. It's like the doctor who reminds us that if we don't get more exercise or start eating better or we don't drop the cigarettes, then there will be consequences. They want you to change so that you can enjoy better health. Well, John wants the people of Israel to change so that they will be awake and ready for the coming of the Messiah. It's the Messiah that will take the people into the promised land that they're waiting for. Luke quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The text was originally describing Israel's return from exile out of Babylon. But Luke is using it to describe the greater spiritual return from exile 
that Jesus is going to lead. John is waking up the people who wander in the wilderness because Jesus is coming to take them out of the wilderness and into a promised land. And that's why the images of Isaiah 40 are such wonderful images for us of the gospel. Every mountain shall be made low. Every crooked road will be made straight. All the rough ways shall be smoothed over. In other words, our path to God will be made accessible by Christ. Because Christ himself is our path to God. And this is the prophetic ministry of John. To wake us up. To tell us that God is coming for us and for our salvation. And John the Baptist has the same message for us even this morning. He's telling us, wake up. To get out of our complacency. To repent of our sins. To drop our cynicism. To drop our hopelessness. And to be prepared because the Lord of glory is coming to save us. How easy it is for us to get complacent in our faith in this world. It's easy not to trust our institutions, to be cynical about them. Right? How many politicians do we trust? How many leaders of our church denomination seem to be disconnected from their people? It begins right there. That's where the gospel is. That's where our hope becomes real. Right when we realize that our institutions won't save us. Rather, right when we realize that Christ has come to save us. But our spiritual problems come when criticism of our institutions becomes complacency, becomes a kind of spiritual stupor, because then we're not prepared for the wonderful work of the Lord in our lives. Christ has come to be our connection to God. Indeed, Advent does begin in the dark. It begins where things seem hopeless, where there doesn't seem to be a way out. But the good news in Advent is the good news that Christ has leveled every mountain. And so let him not find us complacent, wandering in the wilderness, acting hopeless in this world. Rather, let Christ find us anticipating his mercies. Let him find us full of hope, with eyes ready to see his salvation. Amen.
Together, let us stand and confess our faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Holy God, you prepared the way for your son by the ministry of your servant, John. Now prepare our hearts to listen to all the prophets you sent to prepare the way for our salvation. Lord, in your mercy. O oh God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your son. Look with compassion on humanity. Take away the hatred which infects our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth that in your good time all people will come to serve you. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty and ever-living God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, hear our prayers for this community. Strengthen the faithful, awaken the careless, and restore those who are weak in the faith. Grant us all things necessary for a life in community with one another, and bring us all to be of one heart and mind within your holy church. Lord, in your mercy. O oh God, our true King, bless the leaders of our land, including our President Joseph, our Congress, and our judges, and grant them wisdom to live out their vocations faithfully. And bless our land, that we may be people grateful for your many blessings. Lord, in your mercy. Comfort all who are in sorrow or need, sickness or adversity especially Hugh, Jim, Carla, Kara, Chuck, Carolyn, Nancy, Maddox, Troy, Donald, Ray, Amanda, Dwight, John, Deb, Kathy's friend, Marilyn, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Carolyn, Jane, those who mourn the loss of Mark. Grant them all a measure of your love and take them into your tender care. Lord, in your mercy. We remember with thanksgiving those who have loved and served in your church and who now rest from their labors. Keep us in fellowship with all your saints and bring us at last to the joy of the coming of your Son. Lord, in your mercy. All these things and whatever else you see that we need, grant to us, dear Father, for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. I invite you to greet one another with signs of God's peace.
Let us pray. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care, and prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes to judge the world in righteousness. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending beginning and the end, the giver of life. Blessed are you for the birth of creation. Blessed are you in the darkness and in the light. Blessed are you for your promise to your people. Blessed are you in the prophet's hopes and dreams. Blessed are you for Mary's openness to your will. Blessed are you for your son Jesus, the word made flesh. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. With this bread and cup, we remember your word dwelling among us, full of grace and truth. We remember our new birth and his death and resurrection. We look with hope for his coming. Holy God, we long for your spirit. Come among us. Bless this meal. May your word take flesh in us. Awaken your people. Fill us with your light. Bring the gift of peace on earth. All praise and glory are yours, Holy One of Israel, Word of God incarnate, power of the Most High, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation, please stand. Now let us pray. We give you thanks, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift and faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Peace, serve the Lord. <laughs>